This morning's passage is um, the, it's part of the parable series, and it's from Luke chapter 16 uh, and uh, verse 19 and on. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Let me read that to you. There was a rich young man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from us there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Jepsolution. Good morning. Yeah, when I have to, I want to impress people, I just bring my family. Dominic and Abdel, they went to the youth group service. And Dominic, Dominic is 16 and Abdel is 15. So my wife is here. She is 18 plus. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, God is good in the midst of all this. Yeah, we want to talk about, uh, on the subject, we will be comforted. No matter what's happening to us, we will be comforted. Uh, uh, every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, the Lord is seeking to comfort his people. If for sure, God wants to comfort us. We read in Job 5, verse 7, that man is born to suffer like a spark to fly. You know, certainly on this earth, God gives us abundant life. Because in uh, Mark 10.30, the Bible says, 
anyone who leaves mother, father, brother, possession to follow me, this person will get 100-fold in this life. And in the life to come, he will have eternal life. But really, we should understand that there is more to this life than what we have. Look at what happening, what's happening in the world and in my ministry, in my life. And I'm sure you've had your share. You've lost people who used to stand here every day, every Sunday and share the gospel with you. You've lost children. You've lost husbands. You've lost wives. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. And I myself personally... You know about Haiti, uh, earthquake, hurricanes, demonstrations, street demonstrations to overthrow presidents, president assassination. Uh, we had a, an earthquake yesterday, hundreds of people die, and we expecting another one, a, a hurricane on Monday. The earthquake happened on the south, and we expecting the hurricane on Monday in the north. In less than two years, I lost an uncle, I lost my mom, I lost someone who was a mentor, who was pastoring that large church. And right now I am pastoring that church. But two weeks after, I, after he passed away and I was planning his funeral, my 62-year-old brother passed away. Then after I planned my, with my brother, my younger brother, the funeral, of my older brother. My younger brother, he had COVID and he had to, we had to call an ambulance from the States to come get it, get him. But the Lord spared his life and he is well. But then a week later, my dad passed away. Then my 61-year-old brother-in-law died. Then another uncle died, another aunt died, then another brother-in-law who was living in Washington, D.C., 56-year-old, passed away. Even this past week, I, I had an, uh, the last uncle in the family who died. You know, uh, there must be something better than what we are having here. And uh, I believe that Jesus... He is always out there to comfort us no matter what. And he is preparing something better for us every day. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If our hope in Christ is only in this life, we are the most miserable of all men. There is another life, a special life that Christ has prepared for you, 
for me and for everyone who who's willing to get their, his focus off the things of this world and learn to lean on Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, Jesus teaches us very strongly about that. Sometimes he speaks directly to us in ways that we can understand. But sometimes he, he teaches us in different ways, like parable, the passage that we are about to look at this morning. When he speaks in parable, basically the, the, the story is clear. But the spiritual lessons can be so profound that it is difficult for us to understand. Like when I look at this passage today, it was so difficult to comprehend. And I started wondering, what's going on with the leader of this church who gave this passage to me to speak about? And I started thinking that maybe after COVID, they're struggling with uh, maybe with budget. Or oh, Pastor Andy Bonner doesn't like me anymore. They want to find a reason to drop a missionary. And so they say, let's let him teach about hell. So, <laughs> but, 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 but I understand that uh, what's important is not to try to comprehend everything, to understand everything, but to draw from the passage some lessons that the Holy Spirit wants you to learn. It's, uh, it, 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 it talks about a parable concerning a man who received all good, good things in this life with another man who received nothing. The moment they both die, we see the reverse. The man who received nothing was comforted. And the man who had all he needed in this life, he became, you know, in constant torment. The tormented man tried to seek help for himself, and it was impossible. He was even conscious enough to be concerned about evangelizing his brothers living on this earth so they could avoid the eternal destiny that he had. But his approach of evangelism for his brother was even rejected. So now, what kind of lesson can we learn from this passage that teaches about hell? I've drawn three lessons. One is going to be on philosophy. One is going to be on psychology, and the last one is going to be on theology. First of all, the life lesson on philosophy. Philosophy is the study of wisdom. In this passage, we see a man who was conformed to what society really demand or describe or talk about in terms of accomplishment. The man was totally accomplished, 
We all wish that we could be in the position of this man to the point that I believe people thought that that was a blessed man. He was probably religious. He knew about God, but there he was, accomplished before men, but doesn't seem to be accomplished in God's standard. I look at this at a verse that I find in Luke 12, verse 15, to describe what I mean by, about a lesson on philosophy. It says on Luke 12, verse 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possession. Basically, we all know what it means to be successful. We say we want car, we want house, we want family, we want possession, we want money in the bank. We want everybody to say that we have it all. And when we have it all, we tend to believe that we're blessed by God. We've made it. But it seems like this guy did not make it. And so we need to be very careful so we can be wise about our goal in this life, where our heart is geared to. This life is not all. Possession is not all. In Psalm 90 verse 12, David says, teach us to number our days that we may gain our heart of wisdom. Wisdom is that sense is knowing what God wants. And we live accordingly. Wisdom helps us to ask kind of question on a passage like this. I mean, a man was accomplished. A man that most people would like to be like. What did he die of? Some people say sometimes, you know, how can those poor people live? Sometimes you ask the question, how could people who have it all die? What did, why did the rich man end up being in hell? I don't see why, what he did wrong. He was doing fine. He, he, he was religious probably. He was nice because he let the poor man being dropped in front of his door. Uh, but what happened? But basically, nice was not enough for God. Being kind, letting a poor man being laid by your door and let him help himself with the crumb that the dog could have is not enough for God. What? Why did he die? Did he probably feel that he's got everything and nowadays nothing to do? There is no goal, no purpose, 
nothing to go for in life, what happened? What we know is that when he got to heaven, when he got to where he was, he did not complain about God being unjust. He just tried to find help for himself because if he, he, he understood that he was there because that's what he deserved. And he was conscious enough to care about his brother and he was, he, that many understood that there were things that he knew, but he did not live according to what he knew. He did not apply the knowledge that he had according to the way God wanted him. And so he was making sure that his brother wouldn't make that kind of mistake. They were probably well off like him. They probably had, they had everything that he had after he passed away. But he understood for himself that they knew the truth, but they needed another way to get the truth so that they could obey it. That's why he suggested that Lazarus would go down as a dead man. So he could give the message, and according to him, the message would be taken more seriously. Lazarus on his side, wisdom asks us to uh, lead us to ask the question, you know, what did he die of? Maybe from being so humiliated, maybe from being on this, at the door of this man, this man wanted it all and didn't think that he needed God or didn't think that he had to obey the word exactly the way that he learned it from Moses and the prophets. He, Lazarus, had nothing. He could only lean on God as his only help. Maybe he suffered, Lazarus suffered so much. He was so humiliated. He, 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 he tried so hard to survive. And finally, even though he was dropped at the door of a rich man, but he still had to die from starvation, maybe. Because we have no clue that what the dog, the qualms could fill him and give him the strength that he needed to survive uh, the way he should. But wisdom leads us to ask all kind of questions. Why did Lazarus end up being in paradise? But we know that those questions, they can be they, they, they can be answered, but the goal of Jesus was not to answer those questions, but to remind us that whether you're rich or you're poor, you're going to die. I have been on this earth for over five decades, and a lot of people on my block that I wish I would be like them when I was growing up because they earn houses on the block. Those houses don't belong to them anymore. They're gone. 
all of them, every single one of them are gone. I know people, they were my heroes, not anymore. I know rich people who've passed away. I know poor people, they're all gone. We need to learn how to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. People say that we're wise when they see what kind of decision you make. When they see that we make good decisions, they say, that's wise. Well, let me remind us all that one of the greatest decisions that we can make is when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Acknowledging that we're sinner, acknowledging that we cannot save ourselves because we deserve death, eternity, separated with God because of our sin. But out of his love for us, God sent Jesus Christ born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sin, buried and resurrected. Now he is in heaven, offering salvation and forgiveness to every sinner who repents and believes. If we accept him as our Savior, this would be the greatest, the best, the wisest decision that we can ever make. The Word of God tells us in 1 John 5.13 that I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You who believe in the Son of God. We have assurance of eternal life. My dad was dying of COVID a year ago. He was taken by an ambulance from Haiti to come to Florida. He was not allowed to see his children. And he had a chance to say his last word on FaceTime with my sister. He said, where are you? You're always with me at the hospital. Why are you not here this time? I don't know the process, the clinical process that you go through when you cannot breathe properly. You don't have enough oxygen. But when his oxygen was going so low, they were trying to... Uh, help him and uh, he told my sister that the nurses are killing me tell the nurse that if she killed me right now I know exactly where I'm going ask her does she know my sister say that she didn't say that he said I ask you to ask her does she know because I know that God will have me with him at a place of comfort. I have my uncle who was dying, and then he saw the sadness on the face of everybody, and he said, don't worry. I know I'm suffering here, but in a few minutes, I'll be comforted. And he started singing a song. I have a nice crowd that's waiting for me in heaven. The Lord tell me that I will go in heaven so I can receive 
the crown of life. He sang it, he sang the song over and over again when he was losing strength. And he was saying, doing this, doing this, doing this. Helping, reminding us that he has a crown of glory that's awaiting for him in heaven. And the Lord asked him to come so he can receive the crown of life. This is the kind of assurance that we have when we know that we've put our faith in Jesus Christ and we have assurance of eternal life. No matter what's happening to us, we will go to the place of comfort that Jesus has been preparing for us. Be wise. There is a lesson on psychology. Psychology is a study of the soul. Life does not end here on earth the moment that our spirit, our soul, is detached, is removed from our body. We have a body, we have a soul, a spirit that is eternal. We have a soul that needs to be saved. We should not live a life that say, let us drink, let us be merry, for tomorrow we die. What we see in this passage is that whether rich, whether poor, we die. And I've used the verse in Matthew 16, verse 26, to explain the lesson about psychology. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? Yet forfeit his soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We have a soul that is priceless. And God wants us to make sure that we don't lose our soul. After we die, according to what we see in this passage... The men could recognize Lazarus. He had a face that was recognizable. He was in a body that was spiritual, but spiritual doesn't mean invisible. Paul solved this problem in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, you have all kind of flesh, all kind of body. The spiritual body is real. And you see the man, he had finger. Lazarus had finger. This guy had eyes. He had mouth. He could see. He had emotion. There is another life. Better for anyone who's put faith in Jesus in this life. Not good for anyone who lean on his own understanding who don't acknowledge God in his way. What should serve a man? All the wealth, all the glory, all the pleasure, all the power of the earth are worthless to a dead person. If that person won it all, but lost his soul, he lost it all. We have a soul that needs 
to be saved? What can we give in exchange with our soul? We need to remember that this is the most important. In Haiti, we have a lot of pressure, just as it is here. I am the pastor of a large church, and people kind of forgot the purpose of the church's existence. And it seems like it became a place to collect money. God did not send me to that church to continue that kind of work. He sent me so that I could preach the gospel to the people so their soul can be saved and we can be in eternity with God forever. We have a soul to be saved, and the soul is more important than anything. The Bible tells us in John 6, 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh is nothing. The word that I'm telling you, the spirit is life, a soul to be saved. And thirdly, we have a life lesson on theology. God is in control. No matter what happened in this life, God is in control. Our God is in control. The man get to heaven just as he had everything. He could do everything. He could say everything. He could control everything. He thought that he went there and he could control. To the point he said, send Lazarus to me. To the point he said, send Lazarus back on earth. But Father Abraham was representing God. said, no, we can't do that. Then he said, use a way to evangelize the guy a different way. No, they have the prophet, they have Moses. I've already set the ways. We have our word. I have my word. And you just obey my word and you'll be okay. You don't have to believe in ghosts, in what's unreal, in evil spirit or demon. You believe the Word of God, and the Word of God is sufficient to set you free. We can't understand everything in the passage, but we can learn some things. We learn to be wise, choose Christ. Your soul is important. There is life after death. Another life, a place of comfort for us, like Lazarus, when we lean on Christ, a place that people would envy, a better place. God is in control. He is the one who created us. He cares for us. And we need to be accountable to him. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that everyone can give an account for what you've done in the body, whether good or bad.
God is in control. And so two things give me comfort in this Christian life. One is Christ's trustworthiness, and the other one is a heart of thankfulness. The Bible tells us in John 14 that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. And we read in John 14, verse 1 to 3, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me, say Jesus. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Christ is trustworthy, and he would not have told us if it was not so. We come facing the fact that whether Jesus is trustworthy or is not, he is trustworthy, and he tells us that if it was not so, he would not have told us. And that's one thing that comforts us when we know that the Christ whom we serve is trustworthy. The second thing that really helped me to be comforted is a heart of thankfulness. No, we went through so much. And even me, I asked God, why? Why my 62-year-old brother? Why my dad? Why my mom? Why my brother-in-law? Why all this happening in Haiti? Earthquake, hurricanes. President being assassinated. What? Why can't you do something? But you know, I need to remember that God has done a lot for us. And we have a lot of reason to be thankful. He says in, second, in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. When you have a strong faith, you start counting the blessings of God. I have my son Dominic. I was driving on the bumpiest road and I saw a big truck loaded with cargo up to the brim. And I said, Dominic, look at how we're going to cap. When I was your age, that's how I used to travel. In the top of those big trucks on this bumpy road. We do this in two hours, but those people, they're going to be there for four, five, six hours. And so Dominic say, what, you, my age, on that truck, on the top of there? 
this sounds fun. When can we do it? I say, no, what I'm telling you, you need to be thankful. Not to enjoy, but to be thankful. Look at you in your air-conditioned car going on that road. God has blessed us. No matter what's going on in our life, we are blessed. I went through all those things in, 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 in Haiti, and I was thinking about what God has done. Uh, you know, it, it hurt. But then I thought about my mom, my dad dying, my brother. And then we remember my family, nine of us. My mom and my dad were married for 64 years. 64 years of beautiful life. God has answered our prayer. God had blessed us. And we started counting how blessed we were, what kind of life we had. And I was really comforted. Because this is what Christ is doing. He is out there seeking every second, every hour, every minute, every day to comfort us as his people. Yesterday there were earthquakes in Haiti. Hundreds of people died. Monday we're expecting hurricanes. But you know, as we worry, we remember that he already made provision for us. Psalm 46. The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we should not fear, though the earth should shake, and though the mountains split into the heart of the sea, both tsunami and earthquake, they mention right there, though its waters war and foam, though its mountains quake at the swelling pride, God is in the, there is a river who swims the glad the city of God. But God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawn. The nation make an uproar. The kingdom tottered. He raises his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I don't know what you're going through. We're going through a lot. But one thing we know is that God is with us. Father in heaven, thank you for these people. Thank you that you, God, you're in control. Help us to have faith in you and understand that no matter what we're going through, you are with us. Comfort us right now. Help us to have a great day. Bless us and help us to have a strong faith in you. Bless this church. Bless the relationship that we have. Bless with all as we continue to put our hope in you, our faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.